All right, we are live here on the Tennessee Holler. I'm Holler founder Justin Canoe. Thank you for joining us. We have a very special guest today. We're at tnholler.com is the website. At the TN Holler on Twitter and Facebook. We're also, as I was just telling Congressman Cohen, at Memphis Holler, at Knoxville Holler, soon to be the Chattanooga Holler. We're spreading out. The way we're able to do that is through your support. We're a reader-supported site. Thank you so much. Support and subscribe at tnholler.com. Let's get to our guest, Congressman Cohen. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really, really appreciate it. How are you holding up through these uh, pandemic times? Well, it's been eight weeks and about uh, three days since we've been in this. Uh, I've pretty much been quarantined. I've gone to Washington twice to vote, once for CARES 2 and then for the supplement to CARES 2. I've been doing work through my office, both in Washington and Memphis, which have been working remotely. And we have been staying in touch with our constituents and trying to help them with PPP, PPE, unemployment uh, insurance issues. We still have veterans issues, IRS issues, all type of things that you get as a, as a congressman. Caucus has probably a, a call every day. There's some caucus meeting. Staying in touch. I just got finished with my press conference. I do a weekly press conference here in Memphis. I'm honored to be here with y'all. I was a Tennessee state senator for 24 years. Reach was the state of Tennessee, and I was a Tennessee Democrat. I'm still a Tennessee Democrat, but I'm more a uh, you know, Memphis congressman, which is different. It's nice to be in people out there that are some of the folks that I represented run the state Senate or, or the issues they, they hold dear uh, over the years. Uh, I guess when I was in the Tennessee state Senate, I was the most liberal, outspoken uh, person in the Senate. We got the, the lottery passed, which has now got over $6 billion for education. It was a journey. It took me about 18 years from the time I introduced it to the time we got it started. Tennessee Promise is part of the Tennessee Scholarship, a lottery scholarship program. You used to be outspoken, and now you've become a real shy wallflower. What you're, exactly. what you're saying is you've always been this guy, and you haven't changed. The office has changed. The guy hasn't. Right. I'm the same person. I'm still on the same issues, trying to push for people's rights and justice and fairness. Uh, and, and supporting women and the right to choice and uh, First Amendment issues and people who need help and, and need to step up for the American dream for tax fairness. Uh, some of the same issues we've been fighting, it's amazing, it's in 2020, and we're still fighting the, the paycheck lending business and uh, people that take advantage of people through uh, fraudulent means. A lot of things don't change, unfortunately, so we still have to keep working on the same issues. There's still attempts to, to fight uh, women's right to choose and that's in the courts and governor lee we're trying to stop it and i guess that was the appellate court been stopped by the judge in, in nashville on his uh, voucher issue education tax on education and tax on women those things it seems like they're just just part of tennessee it's amazing you know, because when i was in the tennessee senate the democrats were always the majority the worst we did i think there was one brief period when we had say 16 members we had as many as 22 members we almost always had a majority, and now they're just five state senators that are Democrats. And we always had the House, and we got things done. And while I'm on here, I want to pay a special uh, debt of gratitude and a memoriam to uh, Senator Jerry Cooper, who passed away uh, last month. He was the most effective senator in the Tennessee State Senate. He, he passed. I miss him. He was, my, he was my best pal in the Senate. 
Well, I'm sorry to hear that. And, you know, it does sound like a lot has changed. I want to ask you about a couple specific things while you're on here and then talk a little bit about where we are with the virus. But healthcare is obviously such a big issue here in Tennessee. We have, we're number one in medical bankruptcies, number one in rural hospital closures per capita, at the bottom in infant mortality, at the bottom in opioid deaths, at the bottom in maternal mortality, all the things that the Republican supermajority doesn't often like to talk about. What can you tell us about Medicaid expansion? Should we be doing that here in Tennessee? Have you heard a good reason that we're not? And then on a bigger level, would you like to see that decision taken out of the state's hands with Medicare for all? Well, I think we probably have to. I think it, it, the Affordable Care Act was a beginning. We should have done more, but we couldn't do more. Senator Kennedy passed and we lost the, the 60 votes in the Senate. We also had blue dogs at the time and we needed blue dog support to pass the bill. So we didn't get a public option. We should have had a public option, but it was still a strong step in the right direction. Tennessee giving up over a billion dollars a year, not expanding Medicaid is a crime. It's a foolish thing economically. If you had a business that was going to come to Tennessee and give you a, a billion, $200 million a year, think of the money that produces in jobs. And in taxes, that money gets spent in your community and gets sales tax hit, which we've got the highest sales tax about in the country. That would have produced money and paid for itself. The state wouldn't have had to put anything into it for a while. And when the state did, it would have been made up for through not only the health care dollars that came into the state that created those jobs and produced revenue. It's just a foolish thing to have occurred. And it's just, it's just astonishing. And that's why rural hospitals are closed and why a lot of people are poor haven't been able to get 10 care, which is Medicaid, really. It's just insane. It doesn't look like the Tennessee General Assembly is ever going to get there. And therefore, the federal government does need to pass. And I'm a sponsor of Medicare for All. John Conyers had the bill. He was one of my political fathers and a great man. AOC is nice. I like AOC. She's great. She does some, has some great ideas. And Firebrand, just like I am. And John Conyers had that bill. And there's not a lot you can you know, come up with that's going to be that new that can really pass and, and make things happen. But Medicare for all is a start. That would be great. If, if Biden just lowers the age for Medicare, 55, that would be a great start too. But Medicare for all would be the best thing. Right. I mean, it definitely seems like, especially in the wake of this virus, where we've seen millions of people lose their jobs, that the case for employer-based insurance has sort of been eviscerated, you know, and it's shown us that that is not something that we can count on. Even before the virus, when UAW went on strike and GM, the first thing they did was cut off their insurance. It just shows us how fragile that relationship really is. Can you talk about like Memphis specifically and what having some sort of Medicaid expansion or Medicare for all would mean to Memphis? I think for the second poorest city in America, this pandemic is going to go on and our unemployment rate is higher, of course, as it is all over the country and all over the state, but it will continue to be that way. Now, we're fortunate that Federal Express is, is still operating major and delivering packages and goods and, and, and there's still warehouse business going on, but that's not very high paying jobs. So many of our people do not have insurance and we don't have a real good health network. We've got some community health centers that have been supported through the ACA and were supported through the CARES Act too with additional funding. They are provide a lot of the health care in the inner city. We know about food deserts where people don't have access to fresh fruits and vegetables, but we also have health deserts. The hospitals have moved out of Memphis and moved to the suburbs. People need health insurance. Medicare for all would help us a lot. My first major vote of my life that made a big difference was when I was a county commissioner in 1979. And we had a debate about whether to build a new community general 
hospital, a charity hospital, a community hospital. Six, five vote was by one vote, and I put together the compromise and the method to make it happen. The first thing a public official needs to do, in my opinion, is to give people health care. Get them alive, keep them alive. Second thing is to educate. Third thing is to find them a job. A few weeks back, early on in this, you were very critical of Governor Lee's response, the way he was sort of slow to react, slow to issue a mandate, slow to close us down. What's your feeling about the general response in Tennessee now, a few weeks later? And are you concerned about the way that we're opening up? I was concerned because he took a while. It took him a while to, to, to put a stay in home order in. And then when he did, it was first, he made it look like, and some people thought it was a stay at home order. It was not it was more of a stay at home advisory. And Suggestion. It, right. And, and then when it kind of got a little bit more firm, he still didn't make it apply to churches. And uh, that's where some of your biggest crowds are. That's singing and that's preaching. And that's lots of people crammed into old buildings generally in a lot of places where there's not great ventilation. We might have opened a little early. A lot of Republican governors have been responsive to Trump, wanted people to open. He, he needs the economy to get going. We all want the economy to get going. But there should not be the cost of life. And that's what Dr. Fauci has made clear, that we're going to be sacrificing people's health and people's lives if we open too soon. New York has gone down. The, the curve has been flattened. But places like Tennessee have not. And a lot of the places which are Trump country, red states, have seen it go up and it's continued to go up. I saw a disturbing report this morning that the 10 spots that they say are the new hot spots, one of them is Nashville. If we open up too early and it costs us lives and puts a strain on our health system, it's a mistake. I told Governor Lee on the phone he needed to have a stay-at-home order. Most people were just, whatever you say, Governor, is fine. We're with you. Whatever you do is okay. I mean, there was no leadership at all shown from our congressional delegation at that time. I think he's a nice guy, oriented towards small business. He's very religious, but I think he's also oriented toward Trump. He's got a tough job, but he's a nice guy. But you remember the White Album, the Beatles' White Album? Yeah. There's a ditty in there about the Queen at the end, and it goes, Her Majesty's a very nice girl, but she doesn't have a lot to say. Her Majesty's a very nice girl, but she changed from day to day. And that's kind of like what Governor Lee is. He's a very nice guy, but he doesn't have a lot worthwhile to say. I would say that's a generous way of putting it. You're probably right. He's probably a nice guy. But frankly, I don't care how nice you are. I think these guys are all nice guys. But unless you vote nice, you know, I'm not really that interested in that. You know, anybody can be nice at a party. But are you voting to fight for people? Are you voting to fight for your donors and the people that support your campaign. And I appreciate how outspoken you've been. Talk to me a little bit about your favorite person, Donald Trump. The way that he has responded to this is sort of a realization of the fears and the predictions of everybody who was critical of him. Lied, he has shirked responsibility, tried to have it both ways. What would an actual president have done? Well, first thing, they would they've not have gotten rid of President Obama's pandemic team that he had stationed in the White House, and they would have been there on the ground with a game plan and ready to go on day one. Number two, he wouldn't have got rid of the people that were embedded in Beijing, and they would have been there, but it said he got rid of that, that group too. A good president would not have cut off payments to the World Health Organization. If there's ever a time that you need to work together with the WHO to cure what is a pandemic for the world, not just the United States, but a world problem, in which we can't escape because the virus does not know borders, even if you cut off China. And the cutoff from China was cutting off Chinese nationals from coming into America. You could be in China and come back to America. You just couldn't be Chinese. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. And then you'd have gotten started with testing immediately. 
and had them available and be using them in February instead of turning them down and having the CDC try to prepare their own and find out that they had defects in their manufacturer that put us back three or four weeks. You would not have gone on television constantly said that the Chinese were wonderful and he was doing right. We've now seen a strategy memo essentially telling them to blame China. There are a few more personal questions, Congressman, that I've been told to ask you. Do you have an answer for what is your favorite chicken place in Memphis? My favorite chicken place is really super low grocery store on Madison. They've got the best fried chicken in town and it's a little known spot. They have the best chicken at super low. I like churches too. I like Popeye's sandwich. Spicy sandwich is fantastic. Fried chicken is one of my Achilles heels. I don't eat KFC. KFC was a great bucket as a sign. <laughs> right. The bar was chicken bar last May when he didn't show up to testify. Right. He didn't do attorneys, Barry Burke and Norm Eisen, to question him. He's morphed into a vulture, nibbling and gnawing at the bones of the carcass of the rule of law now. We hope he comes and appears whether to ask him a question or not the better thing to do would be just to lay out his crimes what did you make of him dropping the charges against flynn i mean that seems like just naked corruption i think it is and it's missed the case after he pled guilty i think twice and made it clear to the judge it was knowing and voluntary guilty plea he lied to the fbi he was in, in moscow sitting at a table with Putin. he was working for turkey and he lied about it there's a reason he lied to pence about it because he knew that there was a connection with Russia. And we're gonna find out eventually, more than Mueller found out, never in history has the Justice Department done such a thing. It is unheard of that they would try to dismiss the case. Now the judge doesn't have to accept that dismissal, and I hope the judge doesn't, and I hope the judge sentence him, because then Donald Trump will have to pardon him, and he will pardon him, and what Barr did was jump in there as a defensive back and intercept the pass to stop Trump from having to pardon him, and this was like a judicial pardon. Trump will have to do it if the judge takes his guilty plea and sentences him, which he should, and, and then Trump will have to bear the political problem or Flynn will have to be in jail until after the election, at least. The Stone thing was just as bad. Four prosecutors dropped out after the Stone case. Never before if somebody jumped in and said, no, you're within the sentencing range. And Stone lied to the, to the Congress about Russia, about his involvement with Russia. There's a reason Stone and Flynn lied about Russia because it wasn't a Russia hoax. It was Russia interfering in our elections. Mueller showed it and made it clear. He couldn't show active participation by the, the Trump campaign. There were Trump associates who were actively involved with Russia. Trump's people gave them polling data. I think it's gonna come out clearer than ever. It was a very disturbing situation with the Flynn case, and we'll have to depend on the judge. And of course, today it's being argued for the Supreme Court. Does Trump have to show us his taxes? And he should. There's a statute. It'll be every court has ruled that way. Supreme Court rules differently. It'll be a, another blow to justice. We're seeing America, as seen by the founding fathers, as being a rule of law and not a rule of man, not a king, but a system of, of three branches of government that check each other and a judicial branch is being destroyed by this man. This man is a narcissistic, sociopathic, grifting, lying, misogynist, adulterating criminal. And when he leaves office, he should be prosecuted and he should go to jail. So how do you really feel about him? <laughs> <laughs> Let me just back you up on everything you just said. I am right there with you. And it's such a relief to hear you say it out loud. I know you say it all the time. So I know this is not like an exclusive that we have or anything. 
But I, I think I might make what you just said my ringtone because it really helps to hear it. I completely agree. I think the Russia stuff, there's a lot of there there that people don't realize. Anybody that says there isn't hasn't read Mueller Report, which I did cover to cover. It's very damning. The Ukraine stuff is damning. Everything has been damning. It's just there's so much damning stuff that we can't even keep up with it all. And I think that's what he's counting on. That's sort of the gamble that he's making is if he starts doing this Obamagate stuff, turning his you know, Justice Department on Obama, he better be careful because once he's out of office, he's setting a precedent. Nothing there. There's no Obamagate. This man is, he, he turns whatever he's done on somebody else. There's Trumpgate, Trump, you name it. Trump University, that wasn't even Trump kindergarten. It was a ripoff. It was a fraud. And he said, I don't settle cases. He settled for $25 million. And he paid off Stormy. And he paid off uh, Miss August at McDougal. And that's how he got elected. Please don't forget when he stole from his own charity. Right. He can't even, he can't even be a trustee of a charity in New York State. And here he is, the trustee of the biggest not-for-profit, the United States government in the world. But he's a crook. He is a crook. Yes, he is. Justin Amash. What do you make of what he's doing? He's got a great first name. <laughs> Thank you. I agree with that. You know what he's doing? I think I understand where he's coming from. He's an ideologue. He's a real libertarian. He could look at the votes on the board. You'd always see like one vote to be different from all the other votes. And it'd be, it'd be Justin. He had his principles and he's a smart guy. He did come out against Trump by getting kicked out of the Republican Party. I think Amos will, unfortunately, it looks like he might take more votes from Biden than he will from Trump. And I think that's unfortunate. I appreciate his independent streak and the things that he said. I wish he would just get out of the way and, you know, throw his support behind Joe. You're a Jewish congressman in Tennessee. I am a Jewish man living in Tennessee. I ran thinking that that was going to be a problem. It never was. James Mackler's running for Senate as a Jewish man. Being Jewish in Tennessee as a congressman, what's that journey been like? It hasn't caused me a problem. I haven't uh, ever lost a race that I should have won, but it's been out there. When I first ran for county commissioner in 1978, my opponent was a guy named Mike Tooley, and he put on his campaign signs a shamrock. And I didn't think too much about it. Somebody told me, so why do you think he's got the shamrock on? I said, well, I don't know. And he said, because he wants to say he's Irish, which means, what are you? You're Jewish. And so it was an indirect way to do it. And that's been around. And I've heard it. It's funny. One time I was, when I ran, I ran for governor to promote the lottery and take tax off food. I went into a little radio station in Dixon, Tennessee one morning. And I went in there and the guy, we were talking about guns, older man who was the red station. He said, Colin, you Jewish? I said, yes, sir. He said, good luck. <laughs> That sounds about right. Congressman Cohen, again, I really thank you for jumping on here with us. I thank you for being as outspoken as you have been, not only about this corrupt president, but also about something that I care near very deeply about, which is Medicare for all, getting everybody health care in this country. I think this virus has really held up a mirror to our problem, sick leave, Medicare for all, better wages for workers, making sure people are taken care of. And those are things that you didn't need a virus to be fighting for. So thank you for that. And maybe you can come on here down the line and talk to us again sometime. I'd be happy to, Justin. It's nice to see you. And I hope you run and find a district you can win in. Congressman Cohen, thank you so much. Tennessee. Woo! Yeah. Tennessee. It's a tennis.